Our passage this morning is uh, Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Matthew writes, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O son, O Lord, son of David. My daughter, daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the, house, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Thanks be to God. There's a typo right here. Uh, The sermon title, it says, is Little Children. It's actually uh, Dogs into Daughters. So we're talking about dogs this morning. So again... Appropriate to have to deal with a dog eating the snack bowl out from the table back there. This is, there's so many, I could just, I could just talk about this and that would explain the whole sermon right here. Uh, we have been going through uh, the sermon series called Encountering Jesus. And it's, it's curious as we begin to encounter Jesus because we see that we become exposed to him. We see that our, our mass fall away who we think we are falls away, and we begin to see ourselves in a new light. Maybe not as who we thought we were, but maybe now as God sees us. But it's not only us who are exposed. God is also exposed in Jesus. Jesus came to show us who God is. And so when we encounter Jesus, we get to see God for who he is. Maybe you're struggling to even believe that there is a God but maybe also after seeing who Jesus is, you'll want to believe in a God like him. So the question this morning is, are you a cat person or a dog person? I know that's a hard shift away from that right there. Are you a cat person or a dog person? What do we got? You got dogs? Dog. You're a little both. That's impressive. You guys have eight dogs? Two? Two, two dogs. Two dogs. Cat? Yeah. Okay. We're, I discovered this week that I am a dog person, not a dog's person. I'm allergic to cats, so we will never have a cat, no matter how much Evelyn uh, begs. But we had th- three total dogs in our house this week. We had two labs plus Haley. And just in that, I just realized I like one dog. One dog's good for me. I'm a boxer dog person uh, on top of that. They're the only breed I've ever had. My grandparents had boxers, so when we, it was time for our family to get a dog, they got boxers. Uh, my parents did, and this is Haley is my first dog that I've raised myself. Um, she is my longest female relationship. Uh, she is in charge of hospitality here at the table. She used to be a very good greeter, uh, but thankfully uh, she has calmed down a little bit now. Uh, I got her from Oklahoma, like me. She comes from Oklahoma. Um, and I took her back to Chicago with me. I got her when I was unemployed. I thought this is a great time to get a dog. 
And one of the amazing things happened. I'd lived in that neighborhood for about nine months in that, in that particular apartment. And suddenly I got to know my neighborhood because I had the dog. I had to get her out. I had to walk her. And I got to know all the kids around. They all wanted to greet her and play with her uh, and get to know her. She was a puppy. She was much cuter. Um, she's a defining part of Stacey and I's relationship. Stacey would come over to my apartment when we were dating and she would watch her as I worked late at restaurants and in the kitchen. And uh, then she would watch her uh, kind of the turn in our relationship. She watched her when I went and visited my sister in Dallas and so came home and uh, Stacy in that, or excuse me, Haley in that weekend, I think uh, wiggled her little butt into Stacy's heart because everyone has always said uh, Stacy is not a dog person. Even with her mom and stepfather uh, this weekend or this past week commented on how she, how Stacy loves to take care of Haley even though she was never a dog person growing up. Michael is kind of indifferent to her at this point in his life. Evelyn loves her and dresses her up um, and loves her too much sometimes physically. Uh, Joshua seems kind of to ignore her completely. So he doesn't, you know, he's growing into that. But, she, you know, she's pretty old. Uh, she'll be 13 in May. Uh, we found out that she has a tumor uh, between her lungs and her heart next to her heart in October. And we thought that, at, you know, any day at that point, but she is, she's still kicking, but I'm going to take a week off of work when, when we have to put her down, like that's going to be, that's going to rip my heart out. Um, and, uh, so she's made herself a part of our family. She's a part of our household. Evelyn always comments when we count our house with five, we're five people. She's like, no, we're, six. we're a family of six, right? It's not just the kids that are included when we count our household. The dogs also get their themselves included. And it's a curious thing. God, dogs don't earn their way into our lives, right? It's like by pure grace that we go out and make an effort to go get them and bring them in to be a part of our family. And it's the same with God and with us. We so often think that maybe we remove ourselves from the family of the household of God. Maybe we don't feel like we can step up and be a part of that. Our sinfulness keeps us away. But it's also our good works that can keep us away sometimes as well. We, when we behave and we think we have it all together and we count ourselves as clean. See, there's no earning our way into the household of God. He goes and adopts us. He brings us home from the breeder or the pound or wherever it is, despite us being dogs. The irony of this, the irony of who God is, 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 is this. If we count ourselves worthy of our own accord, we are unworthy. But if we count on the immensity of God's grace and mercy, then we are fully welcome to the table as children of God. The miracle Jesus performs in this passage isn't necessarily healing this woman's daughter. It's turning a dog into a daughter. See, when we approach the table as if we are dogs, then we can become daughters, sons, and daughters of the God who is full of mercy. So look at this, dogs. In this context of this passage, the, he, Jesus has just come out of this knockdown, dragout fight with the Pharisees about cleanliness laws. Pharisees were the religious rulers of the day, but they were also like the model for life overall, whether it be religious or political or whatever. They were the upstanding citizens of their day. And they created these laws to be able to be clean and be able to approach God in the temple and worship 
and how you interacted with other people. So they said you have to eat a certain, you have to eat certain foods or not eat certain foods. You can't eat with certain people or you have to eat with other people. There's certain clothes that you have to wear. You can't touch dead bodies. But the Pharisees developed these laws and procedures for you to follow before you would go into the temple for you to be able to be clean. One of these laws, um, and these laws went way beyond what God's laws were. One of these laws was that you had to wash over and over again in these massive kind of wash basins that were right before going into the temple. The temple had three courts in it, had a court for the Gentiles, for women, and then for, for Jewish women and men, and then only for Jewish men. Aside before you would enter into the high priest, only would enter into the Holy of Holies. And so Gentiles were held back on the outer side of the court. And as you entered into these different realms, you would have to wash over and over and over again to become clean. That's what the Pharisees thought, is that this would actually make you clean. But they were merely visual aids to help you remember your uncleanness, to help you repent before God as you came to offer your sacrifices. The Pharisees, again, they thought this was how you became clean, by washing over and over again. Gentiles or non-Jews, like I said, had to stay on the outside of the temple courts, of the inner courts, and so they, they thought they, everybody considered them unclean. And so the Pharisees decided to, for a first century Jew to be clean. You couldn't eat or you couldn't touch a Gentile. You c- couldn't eat with a Gentile. You shouldn't eat them either. Uh, that would have been really bad. Uh, but Jesus tells the Pharisees, like, they're having this big argument. And he's, he says, look, you, you don't get it. You're missing the point here. It's not the traditions that you follow that make you clean. It's your heart. You've made up all these laws, but the actual commandments of God, you aren't even following them. You're hypocrites. You see, like, this anger in his voice. And then the disciples come up to Jesus after this, and they're like, hey, you really offended the Pharisees. Like, they're kind of pissed. Like, they might kill you at this point. And Jesus is like, I'm not worried about it. Um, he's, and he further explains his, himself. He goes, look, disciples, it's not what you eat. It's not with whom you eat. Uh, and that makes you clean or unclean. It's what comes out of your heart. And your hearts are unclean already. And then Jesus leaves Jerusalem. And he goes to Tyre and Sidon. And as so often happens with Jesus, he teaches on something, he explains something in the passage, and then he goes and he does the thing that he's talking about. So Tyre and Sidon were Greek cities, they were Gentile cities, and this is one of the few opportunities, or one of the few times we ever see Jesus kind of leave his homeland. He's no longer in the Jewish area of the Roman Empire. He is outside of that. Mark 7, which is the parallel passage in the Gospel of Mark, tells us that he went there to be hidden. He didn't go there to teach and preach and heal all the Greeks and the non-Jews. He went there probably to get away a little bit. But as so often happens, word gets out. And this Greek mother comes to him desperately uh, to heal her beloved but her demon-possessed daughter. Now the disciples kind of catch her ahead of getting to Jesus, and they exclaim to Jesus, like, just send her away. Like, just get her out of here, right, as we do dogs. They say, just heal the daughter and let her leave. She's bothering us. But this is never how Jesus works. There's a question of if he's replying to the woman and kind of stating, like, hey, I'm here for the household of Israel, not for those, for the lost sheep of Israel, not for those outside of it. 
But really, I think he's talking to the disciples here, and he's like he's explaining to them what's going on. But you know, the mother overhears this, but she's not deterred by this either. She comes and she falls at his feet with profound respect for Jesus and just this deep, unrelenting motherly love that she has for her daughter. And Jesus does just one of the most curious and seemingly offensive things. He looks at her and he says, it's not right to give children's bread to the dogs. It took me all week to get over this statement. Is Jesus calling this woman a dog? I mean, it sounds incredibly harsh and it's incredibly unexpected language from Jesus. But it, it, it is harsh. It, it feels harsh, and it is harsh. But it wouldn't have survived or surprised the woman that he was saying this to her. Jewish holy men wouldn't have been caught dead talking to, to a Gentile woman, and she would have known this. The hierarchy was well established back in the day. But if it's, if it, it shouldn't, we shouldn't be quite offended by this if we read the whole chapter, because Jesus is saying the whole time that Gentiles are not unclean dogs as they were considered to be by the Pharisees, right? It's not the outside that matters, it's the heart. And what the woman does, she grabs onto the statement that Jesus makes, and she says, hey, but even dogs get crumbs on the table. Dogs have horrible table manners, right? We let them, we put them under the table, not next to the table. Haley discovered food and the kitchen uh, when I was in Chicago, before I had moved to St. Louis, um, I was cooking, and um, I, I cooked beforehand, so it shouldn't surprise that much. But I was I was taking apart a pig head, and I was making a thing out of a pig head. So the you know the smell and the aroma was overwhelming. And she came at what she would have been uh, about nine months old. She just came and sat and stared, and just waiting for a morsel to fall. Uh, from the table. Uh, Michael, as soon as Michael, she discovered that here's a child and he throws food on the floor, like she just laid underneath him. And she has done that with all the kids. She now lays underneath Joshua. She knows where the crumbs are going to be, where the scraps. In her old age, she's become even more aggressive at begging. She'll come and smell the bread up here after we're done with communion. She will get her face and nose right up in your business uh, she knows when the kids are done eating at the table and when there's going to be some leftovers. Kids never eat all their food, and dogs know that. And she still gets the scraps. She doesn't presume herself at the table. She doesn't jump up on a chair. She's never put her paws up on the table. But she knows that there's going to be leftovers. This woman completely understands how dogs function and enters completely into the narrative that Jesus is telling her, she says, you know what, you're right. I'm not in the household of God. I have no right to sit at the table like one of the children. But even dogs get the scraps. She understands the gospel deeper, I think, than most of us do. This is the gospel. We are dogs, and yet God loves us. To say it more theologically, we are more sinful and more messed up than we could ever admit, but we are more loved than we could ever imagine. God's mercy and love extends far beyond anything we could do or not do. It's not our cleanliness that gets us a place at the table. It's the desire for cleanliness. It's the desire to be in relationship with God. It's knowing our place and knowing how his grace and mercy extends beyond us being dogs, beyond the uncleanliness of our hearts. 
and we take confident joy in God's mercy and grace, knowing how much food and bread is on the table. It's this understanding of how God works that makes us daughters, moves us from dogs being daughters. Jesus looks at this woman in her response, and he says, how great is your faith? This is the only place that Matthew puts these two words together, that this great faith would be said of this Gentile woman. This is absolutely a foreshadowing of, of all the nations being invited into the family of God, into the household of God. No longer will the temple be divided in certain part. People excluded from the Holy of Holies where God dwells. There's not going to be these different gradations of who we are as we approach God. But now, because of Jesus God, through the Holy Spirit dwells in us. It's no longer us approaching God, but it's God who has approached us and comes near to us, dwells in us. When we place our faith in Jesus, as this woman has, we are welcomed into the household of God. This woman gives us a model of what faith in Jesus looks like. First of all, she says, yeah, yeah, I'm unclean. I'm unfit. I'm not a part of the household of God. She understands that when Jesus calls her a dog, he's not making a racist statement. He's making a theological one. She's unfit for the table because she's human, because she's a sinner in her heart. It's a heart issue. Of course I'm unfit, she says. And then she says, I, but I also know there is more than enough food on the, on the table. I know there's more than what the children will eat. Your mercy is never ending. There's enough of it to go around. It's interesting how this passage falls in this, this particular chapter 15 of Matthew. It starts with uh, Jesus fighting with the Pharisees, and it ends with him feeding 4,000 people, plus women and children. Jesus has been healing crowds of people, and it's gotten late, and he can't bear to send them away hungry. And the disciples, he looks at them and says, hey, you need to feed these people. And they're like, hey, we got seven loaves of bread and just a couple of fish. This isn't enough for us. How are we ever going to feed all these people? But Jesus knows the abundance of God's grace. And he gives thanks for the food. He breaks it, and he passes it around. And they go, and they pick up the leftovers, and there are seven baskets full of leftovers, of crumbs at the end. They didn't run out. There was more than enough to go around. God's mercy is like this meal. It's abundant. It's overflowing. It never runs out. This woman knows this. Saying that she is a dog, she admits her unworthiness and grabs onto the mercy of God, and then grabbing onto this mercy, she, the dog, becomes a daughter. What Jesus wants most for us is to be in a relationship with us. He could have healed her as the disciples wanted and just kind of sent her on her way, but he didn't. He engaged her. He told her a story. She entered the story. He heard her story, her tenacity, her doggedness. She got to know him more. She got to know herself more. He got to know her as well. She knows that as a daughter, she will never be turned away. She knows this more than the Pharisees and the disciples did. Jesus is a God of abundant mercy. It's for this answer Jesus says that her daughter is healed. What do you need to be healed from? Is your heart filled with evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lies, slander? These are all the things that Jesus names. 
right before our passage. I know mine can be filled with these things at times. Uh, For a long time, I prided myself on not lying. I just made a decision in high school that despite whatever happens, I'm just not going to lie to my parents anymore. And got, I got in trouble a little bit more. And now when my kids lie to me, they get in trouble. But I've also learned that sometimes it's just easier to lie to the kids. So 20 years later, I'm going like, you know what? I don't want to explain this thing to you. I don't want to tell you why. I want to make up this rule because it's more convenient for me than it is to like actually just do the thing with you or to get you to stop doing it or whatever the punishment may be for it. I don't want to explain to them why they can't stay on the iPad the entire day or all the holiday myths that we have uh, going on, like Christmas and Easter, et cetera. We've tried to explain these things to our kids, and they, they don't believe us anyway, so we just go with it and ride that myth, right? I'd love to tell you how gracious of a driver I am, and I never have murderous thoughts, but if someone cuts me off, if someone rides on my butt, if you go more than tw- 10 miles an hour down the street right in front of our house, I'm, like, ready to throw rocks, like... Uh, I don't care what happens. I have murderous thoughts, but it's admitting them to Jesus is what begins to heal us, begins to help us experience that abundant mercy that he longs to pour out upon us. This is why we practice confession and absolution in our worship service. It's a practice for us, and I mean that as a practice. It's something that we have to learn and grow into. It reminds us that we are sinners in need of mercy. It reminds us that we're humans, not little gods. It reminds us that we bring nothing to the table, but we rely on God to heal our hearts, right? It's not the practice that makes us clean, that heals us like the Pharisees thought with their ritual washings, but it reminds us of our need of God's grace, and this begins to heal our hearts. It brings wholeness back to our lives. We no longer have to pretend that we have it all together, We don't have to pretend that our morality is better than it is. We don't have to pretend before God. And maybe, perhaps, we don't have to pretend before God. Maybe we don't have to pretend in front of other people as well. Maybe this is a practice that we can take out into the rest of our lives, that we can ask for forgiveness when we wrong our spouses, our coworkers, even our kids. Maybe it's enough that our kids don't believe that we're perfect, but they know that we're human and we need God's grace as well, and that we can maybe ask them for forgiveness instead of demanding perfection from them. Maybe we can show them what it means to live as a human in need of God's grace, that we can model that for them, that we can ask them for their forgiveness, and maybe they can ask it for ours from four hours from them as well. I think it's an interesting thing about this as dogs, that they become family. Like in the evenings, Haley will come in and after the kids have put put down and everything, she'll come and we're sitting on the couch and she'll lay so that her head like overlaps my foot. And I'm not, get out of here, you're dirty. No, I don't do that. I'm not disgusted by it at all. I'm endeared by it. Like I welcome it. If she goes and lays down away from it, I'm like, is she angry? What did I do? No, she is a part of our family. And dogs come in. We choose them. We extend grace to them. Jesus became a dog so that we could have a place at the table. At the end of his life, as he is being beaten and whipped, he is sent outside of the city of Jerusalem, outside like a dog. He became unclean, bearing our sins on the cross so that we could be cleansed. He took our place so that we could be welcomed into the household of God. 
Father, thank you. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for being abundant in mercy and grace. We thank you that you love us and that you want to have a relationship with us, Lord. We thank you that you invited uh, people outside of your household, outside the people of Israel to be a part of your kingdom, a part of your work, a part of your family, Lord. We pray that we would know that it is not based on what we have done that has earned us a spot in your family, but only on what you have uh, given us, your grace, your mercy, your love, and your son. Lord, we thank you. May we know uh, the Holy Spirit living in us. May he enliven our lives to love and serve, to forgive and grant forgiveness to one another as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.